Welcome to Lit and Lucid Podcast. I'm here with Jared and Paige Kalzazian um, from Pharaoh Kitchen. We are on episode seven, recording live in the Mile High. What's up, everybody? What's going on? Hello, hello. Hi. All right. Well, I think we'll just dive right into it. We'll just introduce Paige and see what she's got to say. Hi. Thanks for listening. I'm Paige. I'm the founder of Faro. We're a health-conscious infused edible startup here in Denver, Colorado. Prior to having my own business, I used to work in tech startup management. I led a team at a ticketing company with like 20 to 30 direct reports. From there, I decided to just give up my cushy office job and move to Colorado by myself, even though I had never visited. And it's just been feet to the ground running since then. So three and a half years later, I've done lots of bud tending, lots of consulting, and all that brought me back to my first love, which is the kitchen because my father is a chef and I love cannabis. So we just merged them together. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a really common theme. People quitting their office jobs to come to the cannabis industry. So, <laughs> so true. Well, then you lose your paycheck. So, so then what? <laughs> yeah, my sister always likes to joke around with me. Like, only entrepreneurs want to work 100 hours a week for themselves to avoid 40 hours a week for someone else. Right. And it's so true. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. That's totally true. Yeah, there's two sides of the coin. So let's um, talk about what Faro is. Like, what do you offer? What are the edibles? Things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So with Faro, we do superfood bites. So you can think of it kind of like granola or if like you like Kind Bar or Cliff Bars, we're that for the cannabis industry. So our kitchen is exclusively gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, peanut-free, egg-free. Cool. Really, our only allergens are nuts. Uh, we like to bind with a cannabis coconut oil. Um, we have three different mm. bars that we're going to launch with. Uh, you can't see, but Jared's currently Jared's, yep, Jared's currently about to eat one. That would be the refuel bar. So it's going to be mm. dark chocolate, cherry, espresso, and date base. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. We have a lemon chia, which is a play on a lemon poppy. But since we're superfoods, we use the chia. It's really nice. It's got some almond and cashew butter. That's that one. Uh, We even put a little bit of lavender on top Mm. of it, which we can talk later about the terpenes and the synergistic effect. And then our third bar is a green tea, a matcha green tea and pistachio bar. They're quite, they're quite good, and we do a lot of events around Denver, so you know, keep an eye out. I'm sure we'll see you at an event soon. Please come up and say hi and sample them for yourself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Paige is always at like Sensi Nights and things like that. Absolutely. Um, Gotta go advocate for yourself. Cultivated Synergy, yep. we always see you at. <laughs> Elementa <laughs> events. So she's out there, but she's not in the dispensaries yet. We're working but on we'll it. we'll be there soon. <laughs> working on it, one day at a time. Yeah, so if you know any investors. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to take this plate in the other room and lunch. <laughs> y'all can finish the podcast. So we'll be done here. <laughs> Plenty more coming your way. No, but so, they're really awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Thank I mean, you. I'm interested. I mean, how did it, like, how did this idea all come about? Well, I, you know, as I said, I've been bartending for years and it wasn't that I was tied to the superfood bites or the granola. Mm-hmm. I just saw so many people coming in, like interested you know like their mom would come in with their son and the mom hangs in the background and she's not ready to purchase yet but you see her scanning and then you have other people who are more direct and like i need something that's gluten-free or sugar-free and you know a lot of vegans aren't necessarily excited about gummies or whatever the case is and i mean we live in a beautiful recreational state how many people do yoga i mean Lucy teaches yoga classes and we love to go hiking and the X games are here. So there's a huge market. And I think that's the biggest thing for us is I started realizing I really wanted to a focus on resident consumers because as other states come online, we are seeing a huge decrease in tourism. 
So tapping into the resident tourism, uh, resident market instead of tourism, focusing on the people who live here and enjoy the state and what would benefit them. So I kind of just looked at it as what closely resembles someone's normal dietary habits? What is it that someone eats? I know that I eat you know, pro bars and cliff bars all the time on the go when I'm in between like job and home for a snack, et cetera. But I do believe in the medical benefits of cannabis and there has to be a way to incorporate both of them. So from that, we did Faro. And as far as Faro the name, Faro uh, really just means like lamplighter or lighthouse, if you will. Uh, It's translated from Spanish. And it's kind of an ode to my little Latina girlfriend lover. Um, and then fiance. My fiance. It's so weird to say that now. Um, and more so than that, too, it's a shout out to the cannabis industry. But I didn't want to be as obvious with saying, you know, lighting up or fire. So we're trying to go for, yeah, like a more elevated approach, more discreet for, you know, an adult consumer. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're adults. I want to eat like one. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the truth. I mean, because like you just said, like there is more of a lifestyle. Like we go to Sprouts and we go exactly. to Whole Foods and you're right. I do get the bars and then I'm driving and I have 100%. a bar and like a banana. Yeah. And you're not going to want to go eat, you know, the big chocolate bar. Like that's not your go-to. Absolutely not. And not for daily consumption. And that's right. the thing is my view of the current edible market is it's fundamentally incompatible with daily consumption. Don't get me wrong. I love going to shows. I love yeah. going to events. And when I'm going to a show or an event, sure, I'm going to pick up some Coda or some 1906 or some of these amazing other brands on the market. Mm-hmm. But no one is really tapping into that daily consumption. How do we incorporate cannabis through your everyday routine? So what is, um, when somebody, when they are in the dispensary, what are they going to purchase? Is it like a hundred milligrams, 10 milligrams? What is the Yeah. So I'm not foolish enough to think that I'm just going to change purchasing habits across (laughs) the state as much as I would love to, because I think the best ratio is a one-to-one ratio, which means equal parts THC to equal parts CBD. Um, from that too, I'm really interested in more of the whole plant medicine and incorporating some other cannabinoids. Um, how I mentioned before, we have a little piece of lavender on top of our lemon refresh bar. That's because there's just a hint of linalool, which is a terpene I'm really interested in. So we look at it as the food we put in our bodies is just as important as the cannabis. And there needs to be this synergistic effect of them working together. So when we launch, we're planning to do a one-to-one bar. Um, from there, I would also like to do a 20 to 1 high CBD ratio and then just a 100 milligram THC pack for our outdoor enthusiasts who know their dose. Right. Cool. So what do you do as far as education for, you mentioned dosing, um, I mean, how are they broken up into, into like 10 milligram doses for that 100 milligram pack? or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it will be for like the 100 milligram pack, for example, it will be 10 pieces, 10 milligrams a piece. Uh, And then for like the one-to-one, we are hoping we can do 100 milligrams of each 10 pieces again. And then that package would clearly say on the side, in addition to all the other warning labels, please break in half. But I think a five milligram is really ideal. And we want to do that really for all of ours because we believe heavily in microdosing. I would much rather someone start with a 2.5 milligram and cut it into quarters and get the extra benefits and just go really slow and learn what works. And a lot of that really is because of the way cannabis processes through our body. So if you are smoking cannabis, you are getting it from THCA, which is the acidic form, to THC delta 9 when it's activated or you put heat to it. And then when you ingest it or eat it, it bypasses through the liver and actually becomes completely different. It's called 11-hydroxy-THC 
which is why a lot of people think of edibles as having so much more of an intense effect. It's true. It's a completely different compound and molecular structure in our body. Uh, it's really interesting, though, because 11-hydroxy-THC actually has the best binding affinity to our CB1 receptors, which is essentially our endocannabinoid systems. So the way that I like to explain it to people is think of like a chain link fence, right? And you have golf balls, and that's going to be THC, and you're just throwing those golf balls at the chain link fence. Some of them are going to go through, but a lot of them are going to bounce back, right, as it processes through your body. But if you do the 11-hydroxy-THC, it has more of a nanoparticle ability. So think of it more as throwing like ping pong balls through or even marbles. A higher amount is going to get through that blood-brain barrier to give you the effects you're after, which is another reason we went with edibles because they think it's one of the most medically advantageous ways to get it into your system. Mm -hmm. You're a strong proponent of edibles. Uh, am I? I feel like you are. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I use edibles for different reasons. Edibles to me are... I mean, my primary method of consumption is is uh, edibles, and I mainly use edibles for sleeping at night. So I'll Absolutely. eat like a gummy or something to sleep. Um, I'm not a big fan of smoking. I'm, you know, I don't really like going and socially using cannabis, but I use cannabis medicinally to sleep. So yeah. edibles are the way to go. Absolutely, I use them for sleep myself. Yeah, um, and I think what's cool too is um, there's a lot of medical benefits with eating edibles. Um, you know, you talk on the CB1 receptors, and I just had to verify so I don't look like an idiot, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of CB1 receptors in your, um, your intestines and your stomach and stuff. And so there's a lot of people who have, there's some there's some condition, I can't remember it, but there's a lot of conditions that have to do your stomach that actually that's why like edibles work really well in your stomach is because there's a lot of receptors down there. Absolutely. And people think receptors are on your brain, well, the endocannabinoid receptors are throughout your body and your uh, CNS and your immune system and all that. Um, but let's talk more about, I and mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I want to backtrack, uh, terpenes and the, in the, you know, like the whole entourage effect with terpenes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think terpenes are the most fascinating subject in cannabis right now. And let's take that with a grain of salt. Cause we all know one year in cannabis is like a year in dog years and it goes by so yeah. fast. Next so keeping up can different. be difficult. Um, but I'm really interested in terpenes right now. Um, I mean, just going back to like the vernacular we use to describe cannabis flower, we like to say indica or sativa, right? And to me, those words are really just that, just vernacular to describe something, but it's truly just the plant morphology we're talking about. So what I mean when I say that is cannabis sativa is going to have thinner, bushy, or thinner, taller leaves and it's going to grow taller. And then cannabis indica is going to be shorter to the ground with like thicker, bushier leaves, right? And they have different nug structures, etc. So in the 17th century, you had Carl Linnaeus, who's the father of taxonomy. Think of that as like the classification of all, organi all organisms. So when he created this, he saw this plant and classified it as cannabis sativa. Flash forward like 50 years, um, John Baptiste Lamarck was in India and saw a similar plant structure, but he didn't think it was close enough. So he called it cannabis indica. At no point did either of these researchers sit down and smoke it and right. say indica made me sleepy yeah. or sativa gave me energy. Just that, yeah, that just emerged from the black market because it was the best information we had at the time to categorize it. And through the black market, we had all these hybridizations happen because let's face it if you got a seed 
you were lucky and you put it in the ground and you grew it, you didn't ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm from the East Coast, and I remember when I lived in Brooklyn, it was constantly like, oh, it's Kush, man. It's Kush. Everything was Kush. No matter what I smoked, it was Kush, right? Kush. Exactly. And now we know better. And the reason we know better is because of the terpenes. So terpenes you can think of as, like, the essential oil of the plant. They are the taste, the smell, the aromatics. But more so, we're actually finding out it's what influences our high. And it's really fascinating. So um, let's see, myrcene, for example, really common terpene found in most cannabis plants, if not all. Low levels of um, myrcene I've been reading are actually kind of giving you more of that euphoric cognitive effect that we think of as a heady cannabis sativa. Um, But then high levels of myrcene can actually give you that sedating effect. So if you look at myrcene... What is the characteristics of myrcene? Stop for a second. So characteristics of myrcene kind of varies depending on the amounts you have. So if you have low amounts, it can be more of that like euphoric stimulating intoxication. And then if you have really high effects, it would be what we think of as a cannabis indica, quote unquote, where it's more sedating and more relaxing and more of a body effect. Uh, which is really fascinating. So if you look at the chemical structure of myrcene compared to hops, for example, Mm -hmm. they're very similar genetically. So it's a terrible analogy, and I hate to always use the alcohol one, but if you think of hops and you have one beer, sure, you're having a great time with your friends, you're getting some energy, and if you have too many, you are getting sleepy and you are going to crash. So we like to really just think of the terpenes as being incredibly prevalent and necessary to understanding whole plant medicine. And I think it's important. So um, on my end, I mean, we sell a lot of extractors. So we, I mean, I'm in an extraction lab, Jesus, almost daily now. <laughs> Probably. Um, and so I, I love that you touch on indica sativa because that plays a huge part in edibles you eat as well. Um, nowadays, most edibles are produced with a distillate oil, meaning that a plant, you know, you take a nug or some trim, extract it, you distill it down into its individual components, which is usually THC, CBD, CBN, and then even terpenes after that. And usually what people are getting in their edibles is just a pure THC form, unless you introduce CBD, but even then, no matter what, mm-hmm. it's those like binary constituents, either THC or CBD in some ratio. Um, and so at that point, when you distill it down that point, indica sativa doesn't even matter. You're stripping terpenes, which give it that effect. 100%. And so you're just you're getting THC and CBD. Um, and so a lot of people don't understand that. And so I think it's huge that what you're doing, you know, even like the linalool, the lavender back on top, um, you're essentially reintroducing to create that, I mean, that whole plant form in the end. Exactly. And I think that's where um, even the recreational market is going to go more towards in the future. I mean, we're definitely working on it right now. I see vape companies working on it and then everybody from all types of products are working on it. But whole plant is huge because, I mean, like you said, that's where you're getting the most benefits is from the terpenes and people don't realize that. Um, so I, I lodge you for yeah. this educational that to light. curve, yeah. though. Like we're getting to this next Absolutely. level. Absolutely, and yeah. I think that there's some proof in exactly what you're saying, Jared. If you take it back and look at it on a pharmaceutical level, for example, we had researchers who stripped the rest of the compounds out and distilled it just to THC, and they called it Marinol. It was yeah. a synthetic yeah. um, THC pill that they were giving to a lot of cancer patients and it was really interesting to actually take follow-up reports and look that and look and see that the majority of those cancer patients who compared it to smoking flour after versus the marinol before reported way better results from smoking because again it's the whole plant medicine you can't just isolate one part of it and i just think of it as like evolution at this point like the plant while it's had a lot of influence from us breeding up certain cannabinoids, like in the black market, we really wanted THC and we brought yeah. it up for THC. But overall, 
the plant stays true to itself, right? There's a lot of human interaction, but the plant has evolved this way because all the parts together make it that beautiful, magical thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is scary to kind of see it get away. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I know myself as a medical patient, there's medical patients who need that really high amount of THC or even just CBD, whatever it is. And they love the distillates and dabbing them for it. Uh, personally, I prefer like live resins and mm -hmm. rosins and things that are more whole plant, but to each their own. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. there is, you know, people still sell syringes a lot and that's where, um, it's definitely going down that road where people are reintroducing terps and recreating strains, and I think that's huge. Um, I know Ebu's doing a lot. I'm hands Absolutely. down to Ebu. You know, I wish more people knew about them because they're doing a lot of that research and figuring out different synergies of different terpenes and cannabinoids and really focusing on the medical benefit. Um, and I wish more people would, but I, I, I do think it's going to change at some point. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even with just terpenes alone, they're basically like the plant's natural defense system. So plants that end up are end up having more stress during the growth cycle usually have more terpenes. Yep. Um, so if you grow it outside, they need the terpenes to keep predators away and protect themselves. And if they're pampered inside with a beautiful grow and living soil, there's probably not going to be as many terpenes. Oh, okay. And so growing conditions matter, you know, how you're tending to it, what you're doing to the plants on a day-to-day -day basis, all of these things contribute and factor into the overall end product and that's why we need so much more research done yeah so, so much another, more research across the love, board yeah that's why i love working at los Buenos with the outdoor cannabis uh, sun-grown natural beautiful and people just do not understand what that means they're so used to being grown indoor but they don't realize the reason it's grown indoors because of prohibition mm -hmm. um outdoor this is like our first year we've had a full year where we've got stuff kind of dialed down and people are like terpene results are crazy i've never seen a strain have so many terpenes and i'm like well yeah it's from it's outdoor it's stressed it's sun-grown it's a totally different product than anybody's ever used to. Now, do you advertise as doing terpene testing? Because one thing I've been pushing for repeatedly is like, go to your bud tenders and ask them what, you know, who grew this? What farm grew this? What were the conditions that this plant was grown in? From there, like, are they testing for terpenes or are they just doing state mandated, like, cannabinoid percentages? Because truthfully, at this point, I don't think that THC matters. I think that THC is another false promise that we had from prohibition error where we need to be asking what the terpenes are and i would love to see the market move towards more i'm looking for you know i have a bacterial infection so i'm looking for thca and cbn that have antifungal antibacterial properties and then i want to pair it with linalool or whatever terpene it is I just, I can't wait until the market gets there. Yeah, and I, it will 100%. We're working with labs and stuff now. Uh, the labs got all their data as far as, as far as terpenes, and we're even working on stuff later where you could recreate strains and um, really try to get the genetics back to where they're supposed to be. Because of the black market breeding and how they bred for high THC, yeah. and that makes my job hard when I go to sell to the spinstry because everybody's like, well, here's my cutoff. i got to buy 20% and up, or it's got to be 25% enough for me to buy it. And I'm like, that's bullshit because... It doesn't mean anything. Take a strain that's 13%, if it's grown right, that'll get you just as high as anything that's 35%. Exactly. Yeah. I was recently just speaking on a panel the other night, which Lucy was actually there, and um, someone had said oh, you know, it doesn't matter if it smells good, if it tests low, it's just going to be bunk weed. No. And I was trying to be really respectful because I think it's important to, when you're in this industry, we are all together and we have yeah. to find ways to meet in the middle. But 
at that point I was like, hey, listen, that's not true because I think the correct way to shop is to not look at nug structure and not worry if it's more dense or if it's looser nugs. That doesn't matter, neither does a THC. You wanna go by your nose. Your nose knows what's going on. 100%. That's how you know. That's where we're at though, is because you guys are very educated on the matter, but then you have like the standard consumer who is not at all. And we have this broad, large scale, like you see in the dispensary, people don't know what they're looking for. And most of the people coming into dispensaries are like, how do I get the most high? Like for the cheapest amount. For the cheapest amount. Yeah, absolutely. That's just bad on the dispensaries, especially for either not educating or hiring hiring people that that don't know and they promote that. And so I think that's where like consumers like go. But a lot of their business models are like that. There's a lot of dispensaries where that's the absolutely that's and that's I think one of the biggest reasons for that to be fair to both parties is the 280e tax code that cannabis businesses have to follow. And the 280E tax code basically says that if you are a cannabis company or any other legal federal federally illegal substance company, you have to pay basically what would be equivalent to like 80% in your taxes. Mm-hmm. So if you take a company who's grossing, or I'm sorry, let's say their revenue is a million dollars, you're paying 80% taxes on that. Like it's not possible to have a profit margin and pay your staffs, your staff and all of that. So from there, I really think we need to see 280, 280E go away. And I would hope that there would be dispensary owners who want to step up and say, we're going to reinvest in education. Because at this point, we all see the wholesale prices dropping. Jared, I'm sure you know that very well. Prices are dropping across a lot of the recreational states. And I think what's going to be separating one dispensary from the one down the down the road is the bartenders they have there who can give good information. And I think a big mistake dispensaries do is they try and give their staff a lot of samples to just say like, hey, figure out what's your favorite and sell that. Like, no, give them samples so they know how to talk about a wide range of products and the more empowered you are and the more educated you are on these products, you can sell it better. So as a bud tender, I try and never sell what's my favorite products. I'm trying to give knowledge on what I think is most beneficial for that person. For that person's scenario, yeah, exactly. With a clear disclaimer that I'm not a doctor. Right, right. <laughs> but so, I'm just offering yes. suggestions. This is just but my But that's opinion. how it should be, yeah. right? And that's why you're one of the top 50 bud tenders in Colorado. Congrats. That's yeah, well, thank you. That's so cool. Cool. Um, well, that was interesting. Yeah, that was like a full in-depth we cover so much that it's like little pieces. Jesus, I could go on all day about 280E. I'm like a huge proponent. I mean, obviously, a huge proponent yes. to get rid of that. It's like everybody Absolutely. But no, 280 has got to go away. Because um, I think that's what's holding the Colorado industry back. Well, not as Colorado, but I mean, California's going to experience it. Nevada is. Washington, Oregon. Everybody is. Um, even medical states. There's no... I mean, there's, there's certain ways around it, but then there's not any ways around it, really. Yeah, and I mean, really, right now, the only way around it is to drive your growth. The larger companies who are over that, like, you know, early couple million threshold, they can make it up. But if you, you know, that's why we see so many new companies disappear because they only get, you know, let's say $500,000 in funding and then they're short-sighted. It's just keeping the bills on, getting into 10 dispensaries, and it's a race to the top. But the way to look at it is the longevity portion. And like, how do you have that runway to keep your company afloat, but understanding like the larger aspect of it. And like, I know for Faro, our game plan is to get in there and have those awkward conversations now. I'm 
trying to go into dispensaries and give them non-infused samples since I can't legally bring in infused product that's not through our state tracking inventory system through metric. So I'm saying like, listen, packaging's not here, cannabis isn't here, but let me know what you think about the profile. And I usually get that reaction. They're delicious. We could totally sell this. We would love it. Cool. Here's my letter of intent. Please sign it saying you are interested, but in no way obligated. I'm going to collect a bunch of these and I'm going to, you know, try and show that as proof of concept. And from there, you just have to keep being creative. And I think that's the thing is there's so many ways to feel completely limitless and bogged down with how difficult it is with the money aspect to get into cannabis at this point. Uh, we all know the attorney fees and legal fees and you know licensing and all that, it adds up. So it's difficult to get your foot off the ground, but I think if you do a lot of that hard, dirty work in the beginning, you will have a significantly easier time from when you get the funding and you're not just blowing all the money in the beginning on things that don't matter. So I think we've all been that. I mean, so how do you personally, how do you cope when there's tough times? Because there is going to be tough times. There's going to be times where you're like, holy shit, is this worth it? Um, can I keep going? Yeah. You're like sick of it. You like don't know where to go. I mean, what like keeps you motivated into the future and to push on with, with Afaro? I think for me, it's really getting in front of people. Um, I try and do a lot of events because it's such an energizing experience to go from doubting myself and this is never going to get off the ground and I just worked 12 hours and now I have to put in another five hours in an event and at some point I would like to see my cat and dog and my like girlfriend and get in bed right yeah. like we worked so hard in this industry but when I get in front of people and they're like oh I don't really think I like matcha green tea and I'm like please just try it just, just try it. please just try the bar and they try it and I see the skepticism turn into wondrous excitement and like confusion and oh I do like this it's it's so gratifying it's such an amazing gratifying experience and another thing that really keeps me going is the community there is no way you can do this as a solo entrepreneur I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have my business partner Stacy Stacy is the hacker and I am the hustler. Stacy runs the numbers for me. She lets me ramble about all my crazy ideas and where I see the vision of this going. And she gets me on the runway and says, this is the direction we're going. And I'm like, got you. And we just bounce it off of each other. And I think that's so important to have. And I mean, from there, um, I actually posted a picture today on my personal Instagram, which is Pugazi, if you want to see it, P-U-G-A-Z-I. And I posted a picture of Kanisha and Lucy, who are business partners, and our friend Ashley, and was saying that what keeps me going is the amazing people that I have around me, who I see going through the same hustle and are feeling the same anxiety and dread and doubts upon themselves but getting together and being able to say like i'm struggling with this can you help me with social media no problem can you give me a shout out absolutely it makes a big difference and i don't love going to networking events that's something i really have to push myself to do but i do it all the time <laughs> and it's really nice if i can invite a couple people because i can say okay i'm not going with them i'm gonna walk in by myself yeah. i'm gonna do but it for myself but my homies are there yeah. and we can like you know we'll go connect yeah, exactly to pull back on. you can't do it alone yeah. i think community is so important and with that too be humble stay humble there's a lot of people who have great ideas but maybe don't understand the industry and come off very pompous like their idea or their vape pen or their edible is just so much better than everybody else 
know your place, know who's come before you, know what your market is. I think that's another mistake I see a lot of entrepreneurs making is you cannot be everything to everyone. Know what you're doing, know what you're about, and get those people around you to support you, and let's all do this together. And I think the biggest thing somebody's ever taught me is that, uh, and this is so counterintuitive and people will definitely rag on this, is but who cares about your competition? You know, if you're, if you're looking at your competition, you're wasting time exactly. and you're, you're not focused on your end goal. Yeah. So know your market, but then just dive into it and go for it just and find your own, it. like create your own niche. Who cares? Yeah, you know, absolutely. like yours, I don't really know. There's probably something out there, but who cares? Like if I think about this, now I'm going to think about you because that's what you do. Yeah, and if somebody right. else does, I'd be like, they're a knockoff, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, mean, I can think of a knockoff right now on top of my head. Well, that's the thing is, I can think of at least three other companies in Colorado, probably only one people have heard of in Colorado doing this. But to be perfectly honest, I don't just think of them as competition. I think of them as help. I think of them yeah. as collaboration. Mm-hmm. Like, if I see one food truck on the side of the road and I'm hungry, I'm like, oh, do I want to pull over? I don't know. But if I see four food trucks, I'm like, oh, I'm pulling over. Like, there's strength <laughs> yeah. in numbers. Yeah. And with that said, there is a large untapped market of people in Colorado who are not currently consuming. And if they are consuming, they're not consuming frequently. Mm-hmm. And I just think of, you know, like people like my mom's age, like my mom doesn't consume cannabis, of course, because she's in a prohibition state. She's a good Southern lady. <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> if she was here, I don't see her doing it. But... I think of all the people like that and how much they have to think about, okay, I want to go in this dispensary. And it might take them three months to psych themselves up just to walk through the door because they only know cannabis culture from like Cheech and Chong and High Times. And they don't know that Scentsy magazine and, you know, Coda exist, if you will. And there's these elevated companies. So from there, I really hope that those people have a good first experience. And that's such a reason... I try and really put myself out there as a bud tender and I've gotten those accolades from it. If they have a bad experience, we not only lost a customer at that dispensary, but we could have just lost a cannabis consumer for life. And that's a big reason. Like there needs to be training. Like I've heard bud tenders when I go somewhere and I'm like, oh, what's that edible product? They're like, oh, it's great. I took four of them last night. Yeah, and too. And I'm like, you don't know my dose. No. Don't tell somebody no, to take almost. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so bad. It's so bad, and it does the industry a disservice, and I think that people just need to be conscientious of that. Everyone's in a different spectrum than them, and you don't know where people are in their cannabis journey, so if you see them looking like they're struggling or they have questions, just take them by the hand. Show them a good example, and let's win over those prohibitionists and show the rest of the country why this is going to happen. Yeah, I'll be the first to say and the first to be hated, but I don't care. But the heady culture is killing cannabis right it's now. It's absolutely killing it's cannabis. It's killing it. And I don't care who's out there, who's a heady, you know, smoke all your... But you're kill, you're, like, you're making it so much harder for us. <laughs> so please stop it. Be respectful <laughs> of the plant. Be respectful of the people trying to push legalization and get on the same board as us. And Yeah, I mean, just look at it as if it was like your you know best friend from college who was super straight laced your kid sibling or your grandmother you wouldn't want someone just pushing some random product on them that they know nothing about like we have enough literature we have enough pamphlets and brochures on each of these products we can print them off i'll print off information if we don't like i'll give it to you in the store if you need something let me know we're happy to do our best to educate you and i i really hope to see that push and that's another reason i've stayed in bud tending you know, I've been approached to do sales jobs and different things. And as much as it's a nice thought and it's enticing, I feel like it's so important to have 
good people trying to influence these people well and to do it in a welcoming manner that intrigues them. I mean, that's really what Faro's all about is I thought of these people who don't normally consume. So something that's like an energy bar that's allergen friendly, it's going to speak to them. I can see this product in Whole Foods because my packaging was to be designed to be in Whole Foods, not a dispensary. You know, our branding is an Indica Sativa. It's effect driven. It's refuel, refresh, reflect. And I want to see the industry move in a more elevated, compassionate direction. Yeah. Um, I was reading the other day about cannabis consumers. And I mean, that's half my job is just understanding like who's consuming and um, how do we make it easier for them. So half the consumers in the recreational market are actually consuming for medical purposes. And so the way I see it is if somebody walked in and you got some bud tender that's like, oh yeah, take this vape pen or take this, buy this wax and buy this, you know, this rig and stuff and just go take a couple dabs off this and somebody who's trying to relieve anxiety I'm like actually if you understand it you're actually going to give them anxiety and you're going to be turning somebody off who now they're going to go speak against cannabis saying oh yeah I went to the dispensary and they're just selling me wax and I took this stuff that looked like I was taking hard drugs and I'm never going to go back again the recreational cannabis industry is whack and I'm like no it's not because there's great people out there putting a lot of hard work and effort in to make this a legit thing and um, developing you know, medical aspects and medical products and really scientifically focused um, products in the, the recreational side. Absolutely. I mean, you can pretty much tell right away how educated a bud tender is. I mean, there's certain things that not a lot of industry professionals even know. Like, for example, CBD, people love to say it's non-psychoactive. That's incorrect. It's non-intoxicating. Mm-hmm. It does affect the CB1 receptors in your brain and what's going on. So it is, by definition, psychoactive. But like getting to a deeper level, if you go in and you're like, oh, you know, I'm really looking to have a great time at this party. And the first thing the bartender says is, oh, this sativa is 32% and it's on sale for 20, turn around and walk out. Right. Just like go somewhere else where they're going to say, well, what are you looking for? What effect are you looking for? What matters most to you? Do you have anxiety? Have you smoked flour recently? Do you ingest edibles often? That's the kind of questions you need to be asking. And I think a lot of it too comes down to management. I mean, look at Sweet Leaf. That was a situation that really split the industry. It's a bad guy for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I even have a contentious view on it, if you will. I personally think that like from seeing that it's multiple locations and multiple different storefronts to me that shows that it was a management and training issue and i think uh there's responsibility on the bud tender side but at the time it was very clear that the legislation said per transaction so if your higher ups are telling you no no just tell them to take it off the property it's totally fine you're going with what's given to you and i mean i can tell firsthand I've had disagreements with directors of operations and other people because I'm like, I'm not taking temporary out-of-state licenses. That is not okay by the Colorado rule books. And they're like, yes, it is. You're being defiant. You should just take these customers. And look what happened. That could have been me on the line with you know, a felony and $100,000 fine looking at jail time. Right. And you, so, yeah, yes, you badge. have to yeah. know because it is your badge. Yeah. But with that said, it's kind of bonkers that really low wage employees at the bottom of the totem pole are the most responsible for store practices, store manuals, and training practices. Like there needs to be accountability. And I think as an industry, we need to find ways to come together and make sure that those situations don't happen to any of us again. Yeah, I agree. And I talk to a lot of business owners on a daily basis. And um, 
it's bad that there's still like these business owners are so frustrated by doing everything the, the extremely right way and following the rules and doing it ethically. And then you have someone next door that's, you know, cheating the rules just for a profit. Absolutely. And so I always tell them like, no, 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 just, just keep doing it the right way. Please follow the rules. Just keep doing it in time. It will pay off because these guys next door are going to get shut down just like Sweet Leaf. Mm-hmm. And then in three to five years, you're going to be left standing. It all comes to light. Right, like oh, absolutely, yeah. you can have a really long run. I mean, look at criminals. You can have a thirty-year career as a stand-up jewel thief. You get caught once, you're done. Yep. That's and it's going to be the same way for cannabis. So I think a lot of us forget how insulated we are and how much of a bubble this is. This is still so new. So while there's a lot of competition for dispensaries and products getting themselves on shelves and whatnot, it's so new and there's so much more work to be done. We yeah. can keep growing. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I look forward to it. It's exciting to me, honestly. Oh, I love day. it. I love that it. it's kind of a mess, but then it's coming together, and um, it's cool just to see the progress. And I think well, you hit it on the nail on the head earlier when it's like, Jesus, it's dog years. Cause it, it is. So There's no happen. better way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's going to happen next year at this time? Like, what's going to be the newest, hottest mm-hmm. trend? I mean, last year was it's like live resin came on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was like isolates, and it's like, what's next year? What is next? Who knows? What yeah, I know. We have like robotic companies entering the space mm-hmm. with like millimeter precise trimming methods. Yeah. I mean, really, the guy who developed robotics for NASA is now in cannabis. That's, I mean, look at Coda. Like, you have people who are award winning chocolatiers, best in the country, yep. and they're in cannabis. Like, so it is exciting. It's so exciting. I love that they use an herbalist. Yeah, so Shout nice. out 1906. Yeah, they're Love to it. see other edible companies really making yeah. a good difference. Yeah. And you'll find Los Sueños products. Products from Coda, so that's where we're that's at. That's great. And at Lives Green Edgewater, so come see me. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So we covered everything. All right. Yeah, yeah I we think covered we a lot. Did. We covered everything so many, like everything, everything we could have ever talked about. Well, thank you so much, Paige, for being on our show. We appreciate all your insight and your knowledge in the cannabis industry. Shout out to being a woman in weed. Killing it. So excited to have been here. Thank you. And hopefully we'll see Faro on shelf soon. And if not, definitely events. Come follow us on Instagram at Faro Kitchen. That's F-A-R-O Kitchen.com. And you can email me personally at Paige, P-A-I-G-E, at Faro Kitchen. I would love to talk to you more and answer any questions. And if you are a consumer, you walk into your dispensary and you tell them I want Faro Kitchen there you go there you go that's what you tell them and if not you get a hold of her and she will take care of all the samples you can want so I appreciate your time Paige it was great and I appreciate having you in the industry and all you're doing for the industry to steer in the right direction same with you guys appreciate it all right and with that I'm lit I'm lucid all right and this is the lit and lucid podcast see you next time laters